0: And within two days, it had gone from, let's go bring our DSLR yeah. and just like make something, you know, touching, but mm-hmm. kind of lo-fi to we've got a week and a half of interviews booked wow. and uh, a family who's interested in like trying yeah. to contribute to the story.
1: Whoa. Yeah. My name is West Gibbons and welcome back to the Tungsten Originals podcast. You just heard part of my conversation with editor Chris Brannan. We discussed how he got his footing in the film industry, what he's learned throughout his career, and the process of making his most recent feature documentary, Finding Tyler, which follows an American fugitive who fled to the island of Corsica. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Episode 50 of the Tungsten Originals Podcast. Professor Brandon, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks for having me. How's it going? Uh things are good. End of a day. So uh, yeah. I think you're catching me in a good state because yeah. I've been talking all day. Perfect. Yeah, I'm just in a I'm, I'm, yeah. in, a, I'm in a good headspace. Perfect. Mm-hmm. You're you're in your uh, lecture headspace. I think <laughs> it might be, but not hopefully not too lecture right. headspace and I can reflect. But uh <laughs> what's nice about the last week of class is you know, we're kind of wrapping things up. Yeah. And so it can be a little less formal. I like pride myself right. on being really regimented and structured with each class and so last right. week
1: it's kind of nice to like loosen up a little bit yeah exactly and uh talk you know you know yeah it, well it was nice we just got out of your class so it was nice to like you know go over our edits and stuff but also just talk about like our plans for the next quarters and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time with yeah, your busy to. week doing this. Sure. Um, so, like we were just talking about, you were a professor here at SCAD. You are an editing professor, uh, amongst other film classes. How long have you been a professor here?
0: Uh, this is my fourth year. Uh, okay. Yeah, my first two, I was a part time adjunct. And then oh, uh, gotcha. now I'm the last, this is my second year going as a full time instructor.
1: Okay. Well, I would love to talk about your career as a teacher and an editor and filmmaker and all those fun stories that you've been sharing with us in class. I sense a but coming. <laughs> <laughs> no butts. Oh, okay. Well, I guess the but is, but I want to start from the very beginning, hmm. which is where you grew up and how you got started in editing in the first place. So I assume you're from, or not assume, but as I know you are from Florida. Indeed, Gainesville, Florida. Gainesville, Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay. So is your family particularly artistic when was art something that was on your wavelengths uh
0: i always wanted to be artistic (laughs) um and uh wasn't terribly (laughs) like i I always tried to draw bart simpson and (laughs) i always wanted to be an illustrator uh okay and my mom even like took me to like art classes and things like that um but i realized at an early age that some people could just draw Bart Simpson right. freehand instantly where I'm sitting there tracing and, like, really straining over it. Right. And even as, like, a nine-year-old, I was able to, like, connect the dots enough to go. <laughs> Some people are born with certain talents. Other people
1: aren't. <laughs> That's maybe, very wise of you. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> or
0: just uh, pessimistic or something. Yeah, like exactly. Know. My mom is, I guess, she, yeah, she's crafty. She does a okay. little bit of everything. She was always... uh doing pottery and then she's doing right. beadwork for a long time. Okay. Um, my folks own a pizza shop in Gainesville. Oh cool. And so I grew up they bought it in 79. I was born 78, one of those. Mm-hmm. I was born in 80 and basically okay. I grew up in the pizza shop. I like to joke that as soon as I could crawl they're putting like little brillo pads on my hands and <laughs> knees cuz I was I feel like
1: I was always helping out around the restaurant. Yeah, exactly. There. So your parents were like very encouraging of of your artistic endeavors.
0: Yeah, and it's funny, you know, How early things in your life end up carrying throughout uh, Mm -hmm. where uh, I've discovered recently that with my filmmaking, Mm -hmm. uh, the kind of like why question behind what I do, why I do it, why I like certain film subjects or films or music or whatever. uh, It all comes down to uh, definitions of success for Mm. me. Uh, And I think it's because my parents own this restaurant. Uh, It was always an offer for me to take over the restaurant, and uh, I didn't want to do that. I worked there for a long time until I was like 24 or something, something like that. Even then, like the restaurant was doing great, I could have a nice living, um, but I didn't want to do that. And so Mm -hmm. I think these, uh, and I was at the time and still maybe today, because there's there's no solid answer to that, that's Mm -hmm. what I think is nice about the question. I always, it's funny, I always use the word noble. I was like, is Mm. it more noble to continue a family tradition, a family business to be a staple in the community because it has been going for 40 years or something right? and to just carry that legacy on for the sake of the family or for the sake of consistency within the community? Or is it more noble to take the luxury that I've been provided Mm -hmm. with this kind of, uh, framework of support that I have mm-hmm. to venture off and try something totally radically different right uh, to
1: succeed or to fail but to find out um, mm. and I don't know if there's a there's no single answer for that right yeah I mean, that's really interesting because my great-grandfather's I think great-grandfather started like the family business mm. as well which is like the my small towns like accounting firm and it was it wasn't like My dad, when I was 10 or whatever, was like, you should be an accountant or whatever. It's just like every now and then distant family members would joke to myself and my brother, like, y'all going to take it over? And we were always like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Were your parents not disappointed, but maybe like sad a little bit that you chose to go and find out? Um, I don't think so. I think, you know, they always said I could do whatever. And I feel like they're
0: pretty genuine with that. They sold the restaurant two years ago. Gotcha. Um, so it's like a big transitional phase for the family because right. uh, every holiday was spent there and the restaurant uh, the restaurant yeah. would be closed and we would you know oh, have a private party basically right. and uh yeah and it, it was like you know always there and now right. it's now it's not right. um no I don't think i, I
1: I think they're thrilled with uh, how things have gone. Uh, Right. Yeah. I'd say you're doing pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Coming from a (laughs) 22-year-old who, like, just had my first meal of the day. (laughs) (laughs) You know, maybe my opinion isn't that high standing. Um, (laughs) So when did you start paying attention to movies?
0: What's funny, my interest in filmmaking stemmed from the pizza shop. Really? uh, Okay. Because we made the cheesy local commercials. Oh, that's amazing. And so like, uh, you can go on YouTube and you can type in Leonardo's Pizza Gainesville, Florida and there would be uh, playlist there of oh sweet where you can basically follow Brandon from age 6 to 8 to I oh, can't believe
1: you haven't showed us these in uh, class yeah no I'm
0: always <laughs> scared to especially early in the quarter and I don't want right. to
1: taint an opinion or something <laughs> yeah, that's fair um, Well, or, last day of class this week you should definitely show us we <laughs> could do that we yeah. could do that uh <laughs> and it's, it's funny cuz uh
0: with those first com- it was our second batch of commercials I think I don't know it was 8 10, 11, right. something like that and uh again they're like textbook local ads and (laughs) basically where my folks would bring all their friends in they'd just cook up a bunch of pizza and camera crews would just start walking around and go okay say Leonardo's and then they would hold up the pizza slice Leonardo's and they basically just said that over and over and over Leonardo's 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 or they would Talk about a product veggie on whole wheat ah. super salad bar and like <laughs> we watched we watched the dailies of these commercials on as a family on repeat oh that's amazing for years so we have the dailies memorized not even the ads we've got the dailies <laughs> right. memorized wow. um but i remember they're making these commercials and uh in the back booth in the corner the director was there and he was recording his voiceover but i couldn't figure it out oh, at first because okay. He's sitting there and he's recording into this thing and he's saying, you know, great food always comes from, of course, but they also specialize in, and let's not forget. And there'd just be these blank spaces oh, and I'm right. just thinking, what is he doing? He's missing the punchlines of <laughs> right. these things. What is going on here? Yeah,
1: That's not going to get us business. <laughs> yeah. And then I like,
0: again, like the penny dropped for me and I yeah. went, oh, he's going to take this, what he's recording- and then the things that they've recorded from us and put them together yeah. into some... And it was at that moment, the light bulb went off and I'm just thinking, this is movie magic. This is this is cinema. Wow. This is, or not cinema, but <laughs> it's, you know, editing, I guess. Right. Uh, so it all kind of started there. Huh. Uh, and so uh, and just kind of
1: snowballed i guess yeah there. so you were paying attention to the production process
0: I, yeah i was yeah. you know like it was as close to hollywood as we could get you know in like, gainesville florida three people from a news crew <laughs> and uh we're like this is it this is big time right and everybody's excited to be on camera and yeah
1: exactly a lot of energy right uh, so it was it was cool yeah when did you start taking the reins yourself and making your own projects yeah basically i finished undergrad uh because we never owned a
0: camcorder or anything so okay. i wasn't able to like make home movies or anything like right. that uh in high school i joined i was on like the morning announcements and we would make little pieces and right uh then in college at university of florida um uh, majored in telecommunications production which okay. uh, uf is like a news school predominantly oh okay and so most people went on the news track uh, you had to take a test and everything to like, right. be a possible newscaster, hmm. and uh, but then the telecommunications production was
1: all like behind the scenes. Okay, you know, and that's what I want. I was more interested in that anyway. So. Okay, were you interested in like behind the scenes with news? Not at all. No. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, just never did it for me. Um, right.
0: But uh, so, yeah, didn't want to do news work, but we were able to make commercials and like okay. short docs and things like that. Um, and basically coming out of undergrad, I quickly realized that I hadn't pushed myself enough. Like mm. I had gotten the grades, but right. I, did, I never, never got an internship, mm-hmm. uh, although I did try, which is a kind of a tangential story, mm-hmm. which maybe we can come back to. And so I get out of undergrad and realize I have zero real to speak of. Mm. You know, I have one. Uh, music video parody. Uh, and one, no, I don't even think that exported correctly. We did a <laughs> we did a documentary about uh, guide dogs for visually impaired. Okay. Um, and it we were so artistic because it was these text cards that came up, and uh, it's the Joe Cocker cover of uh, with a little help from my friends, you know. And so it's like this slow build up. It's like really wow. magical and yeah. chiming, and where it's like, what if text card this text card and then black for like five seconds oh. is all you could see <laughs> and then music up on the chorus little help yeah. from the, and then you see like the guide dog like guiding the person around pov <laughs> dog's eye view um you
1: had a pov of the
0: oh yeah, that's yeah. we did a dog camp wow kind of thing. Um, and you never topped that edit no it's it's untoppable <laughs> exactly and so i'm striving now that's what keep that's what pushes me Exactly. Artist. Um <laughs> But yeah, it came out of undergrad. Didn't have a whole lot to to show for it, right? And so, um, like, yeah, it was right out of undergrad. Uh, Took out a loan. Uh, My mom co-signed. My parents co-signed on the loan for five grand, and I bought a Sony PD one hundred and fifty camera, a three CCD camera, the same one we were using in undergrad. Uh, Okay, Uh, it's like kind of a prosumer camera, a mini DV. It was still standard def back then, right? And uh, a Mac Pro G four computer. With Final Cut Pro 3 on Three. it. 3, wow. Yes. Uh, and uh, popped the DVD or whatever form of media that they <laughs> used to, to, for tutorials back then. Right. Learned Final Cut Pro 3 from that guy. Okay. Uh, happened to be a man in that case. And, uh, was going to take over Gainesville, Florida by storm. I was going to make commercials for everybody. I was going to make independent projects on the side. I was going to wait tables to pay the bills at my parents' (laughs) restaurant. Uh, And so I made a couple commercials for them to answer the question finally. Of course, yeah. Um, Because, again, being supportive parents, they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, you want to be a director. You want to make commercials. You want to make films. We happen to need some new commercials. And so uh, I put a couple together. Uh, the first one I think my dad hated to be honest with you yeah. uh like I showed it to him and I had just discovered that you could like just create colored shapes you know like color <laughs> mats yeah and there's this one part there's no point to it but like I just bring up these like four color bars that kind of <laughs> go with the music dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and my dad is i could see him like cringing going right
1: what does that, that right.
0: serve anything right There's no purpose <laughs> to that and uh that was like your first client meeting it was totally my first <laughs> client meeting uh fortunately uh
1: i had a client that took pity on me and let me just kind of do whatever i wanted yeah but exactly yeah, that's true gotcha so once you had that camera like how long did you stay in gainesville making those projects
0: so yeah so um i made a couple goofy videos just with mm-hmm. my friends uh and kind of quickly realized through that process that I didn't like camera operations so much. Hmm. I was having more okay. fun putting things together than I was right. filming them. Uh, I didn't like fully realize that in, yeah. for like, another few years. But uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, oh, so I'm, I was going to take over Gainesville, Florida with my commercial
1: production prowess uh, and then pay the bills. <laughs> Brandon Productions.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> We were developing productions.
1: Developing productions. Yeah. It uh, sounds like it's never finished. Yeah. yeah I, I, I guess- It's like we're always working on
0: it. I, I guess that's a good thing, right? Or yeah, is that's it, true, yeah. Or is it never
1: it's, gets finished? Maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe it's like we're always developing new stuff. Ah, we have so many clients. There we go. Like yeah. At the new work.
0: At the time, I was like, oh, we're going to have like a Polaroid kind yeah. of thing going on. Uh, the only gig we got is developing productions aside from uh, my parents' restaurant- yeah. Uh, did a wedding video for some friends. Uh, nice. Got business cards printed out. This is going right. to be our big break. We were getting yeah. people up with business cards. Mm-hmm. Nothing materialized out of that, <laughs> uh, which is all right. Uh, First did, rule of networking. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't charge my batteries the night before the oh, wedding. Oh, no. And so,
1: uh, yeah, I was tethered to the wall at the wedding reception the whole oh, time. Oh, I remember, I remember yeah. you told us in class that. Just like super wide shots of everything. <laughs> it, exactly. Just, uh,
0: it was brutal yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah so then i ended up waiting tables
0: most of the time just okay. to pay the bills or whatever taught middle school science for a year oh really to do that Whew. um i uh yeah i was at the restaurant needed to kind of shift gears get yeah. away from the restaurant and so i started as a substitute teacher uh did that for a month or so and mm. at the middle school that i actually attended as a kid uh a science teacher had just quit mm. um I feel for she had gone through undergrad and grad school mm. and done like her internship or externship at mm-hmm. this middle school. Oh wow. And this was what she was going to do and at 1 mm. month in she just up and left. She was like uh, I can't handle it. And oh, so yeah. she just wrote on the board Miss so and so is not feeling well. Sorry, see you later. Oh. And they asked me like Brandon what do you think? Do you want can you jump into this? Wow. And uh, we've like they're like oh we've got this guy who's been subbing in the meantime. He's his former, like, nuclear engineer who's, like, a retiree, but he's, mm-hmm. like, kind of, like, filling in for right now. Just observe. Let us know if you think you
1: can do it. Observe the nuclear engineer. Yeah.
0: And <laughs> so I'm sitting in the corner as he's going, uh, Mr. Raymer, Dr. Raymer, he was a doctor. <laughs> uh and then, so you got Dr. Raymer, nuclear engineer, Chris Brannon, twenty-four-year-old <laughs> Del- developing production, developing production CEO, <laughs> right? right <laughs> executive exactly, producer. Yeah, um, with a journalism degree. And, <laughs> but old man Raymer, uh, he was just getting sidetracked by the students. They would like wow. they were totally playing him. Mm-hmm. And so, from a distance, I thought I could do this so much better. Though. Right. Just, this is, and they, they won't get me. They won't. Yeah. <laughs> And so I told him, yes, let's do it. Yeah. And day one, I dress in all black because I um, know I'm a pushover. So I was like, I'm going to dress in black and that right. will counteract all of my right. whatever laissez-faire attitude. Yeah, And it worked for a day. And at the end of day one, um, I came home and just like was over the moon. It's like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. I want really? to teach. Wow. This is uh, even as a kid, I always wanted to teach. I thought, okay. I don't know the content but Hmm. I know I can present it in a more interesting fashion than this person giving it to me right now.
1: So you were like in your head critiquing your teachers. 100%. Wow, that's interesting. (laughs) And just thinking uh, it's
0: all about presentation. Like substance Mm. is only a part of it, you know? Yeah, for sure. And so um, so after day one, loved it Mm. and uh, thought, okay, if they liked that lecture, wait till they see what I have for day two. Right. And by lunchtime on day two, I was bawling my eyes out, really? uh, picking oh, no. up paper, because they they figured me out. I mean, yeah. it, it took yeah. them one full day. They, they gave me a grace period. And then <laughs> after that, like, again, I had oh, this no. hardcore system where um, mm. one finger meant you had to sharpen your pencil. Two fingers meant you had to go to the bathroom, whatever, because I read oh, this in a book. Right. And I was like, this is what I will do. This, yeah. is, this is what teachers do. Um, and so I'm giving my lecture day two, and a kid coughs. And I'm thinking "Mm, that sounded phony, but what am I going to do? It's a cough. I can't chastise a nine-year-old for (laughs) coughing or an eleven-year-old, right? And then so I keep going. Two kids start coughing, Mm. and it was like raptors. They had figured out the weakness in the perimeter, (laughs) and like now this. And before you know it, the entire class is coughing. Oh, and I'm just trying to put out one fire after another, (laughs) and I had lost control, and it was done for the rest of the year. Oh my gosh! Yeah,
1: yeah, kids are awful. It, It was, it was. It was rough. That's what I'm going to tell the other students in our class on Thursday to just start coffee. Yeah, they see how you can.
0: yeah, if I crawl
1: under the desk <laughs> into the fetal position, <laughs> uh, exactly, you'll know it worked. <laughs> yeah. So did you just stick through it for the year? I didn't
0: want to, but the principal, yeah. I resigned or tried to resign like five times. Uh, <laughs> I had like a special drawer for resignation letters. And <laughs> the principal just kept saying, she just kept throwing more resources. Like to her credit, she was oh, like that's listening good, nice. and supportive. Yeah. Uh, people would come in and then the dean would sit in the classes that were particularly bad. Mm. And, um, but yeah, I got through the year. Mm-hmm. At that point, through that year of teaching, knew, knew that I wanted to teach going forward, but had also realized that, Middle school science wasn't my path. This wasn't my thing to do in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a crazy appreciation for those who are doing yeah, it. Yeah, same. Those in the trenches there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I applied to grad school because I okay. just needed to rededicate myself to what I wanted to do, which is filmmaking. Um, okay. And documentary filmmaking specifically. So went back to
1: grad school okay. right for that. Was it always documentary filmmaking that you were like interested in? Kind of. Uh, really? Um, okay. Although... I shouldn't say this on a filmmaking
0: podcast, but I don't watch a lot of stuff. <laughs> I've no, never watched neither. a lot I'm of stuff. I, I like part of what I love about teaching here is that the students are so right. into it that I can kind of vicariously pick mm. up on all of these things and kind right. of keep my finger on the pulse, even if I'm too busy or lazy or whatever, right? Um, to to physically see all the media being produced. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was always drawn more to nonfiction stories than fiction stories. Okay. Although during that period in the '80s and early '90s, it, from learning in, re- in retrospect, it it was the D word. Nobody wanted to use the word documentary because really? uh, it was you know you had wonderful content on Nat right. Geographic, National Geographic being yeah. created things like that. But overall, it was kind of painted into a corner in terms of uh, I always thought about, and a lot of people always uh, at that time. I took a drafting class in, mm-hmm. in in high school and one of the days we watched a video on how bricks were produced. And it really was really exciting. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Watching bricks dry was like the video. <laughs> and like that's what people thought of as documentary it was yeah. like boring videos yeah. that they showed you in school. And you had to sit through it and it's yeah. like, oh, learning had to be painful, you know, it was kind of the mentality. Oh,
1: interesting. Okay. And if
0: it doesn't hurt, then you're not learning something.
1: Right. Uh, um, so did you in the same way that you wanted to do a creative spin on teaching, were you hoping to do your same creative spin on documentary, like make learning interesting? I guess
0: so, yeah, I I never thought about it that
1: way, but uh, yeah, I think that's true. Gotcha, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Why do you think editors are so attracted to documentary editing?
0: I think there's a lot more creative control uh, in documentary for editors. Um, I think the thing that appeals to editors is to be able to like sift through things and see what things, you know, emerge and Mm. patterns and themes and uh, you know, documentary allows you to kind of like um, explore and
1: run in those directions a little bit more than a narrative
0: or commercial to an extent. uh, Right.
1: Work would. Okay. So once you got through grad school, were you a lot more confident about your real and just like standing as a filmmaker? Uh, yes
0: and no. Yeah, okay. uh, my grad school thesis film did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, it won a student Emmy. Uh, it got picked up for distribution in Australia and New Zealand. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, which is kind of random. Screened in some festivals. Hmm. And um, what was the project? It was actually um, about somebody that I grew up with in Gainesville. Okay. Um, and it is actually the uh, basis of that, the same incident that I made the grad school film on is the same inciting incident that is uh, from my film that I'm working on now called Finding Tyler. Interesting. Yeah. And so basically a group of three people in Southern California, all Caltech PhD students or Caltech theoretical physicists, um, one day, August 22nd, 2003, go out to like be naughty and spray paint like uh eco-friendly slogans on hummers and <laughs> okay. at some point in the night somebody pulls out a molotov cocktail throws it uh blows up a car uh the one person gets upset and they're like, all right we're not going to do it again not going to do it again let's just keep going they mm. go to this hummer dealership the molotov cocktails come out again they start flying around um and at the end of the night. The entire dealer—one Hummer dealership burned to the ground. Oh, wow. $3.5 million in damage, 27 cars destroyed, uh, no injuries, no fatalities, right. all okay. property damage, but— um, Pretty significant property damage. Yeah. And one of the cars, in addition to like all sorts of like goofy things that were spray painted on them, mm-hmm. you know, gas guzzler, fat, lazy American, okay. uh, a math formula was spray painted on one. Right. Another car had the letters ELF spray painted on it, which stands for Earth Liberation Front. Okay. And this is an eco terrorist organization oh. uh, that's known and wanted. Uh, it's kind of like a, a faceless, anon kind of style gotcha. um, organization. And wow, we don't know if they're associated with them or not, right. or if it's just like a copycat kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but just the mere fact that they spray-painted those three letters mm-hmm. now took this from arson to terrorism, basically. Whoa. So, uh, yeah. So my grad school thesis film was about one of those people who happened to grow up in my hometown. Uh, he stayed behind. The other two people fled the country. And uh, he was left holding the bag. And Wow proclaimed his innocence he was like yes i was there but i didn't actually do anything i was just kind of like the driver or whatever um but because he was the only one there uh they pinned everything on him Hmm. um and he ended up serving or getting sentenced to eight and a half years in prison um forced to pay three and a half million in restitution which i don't know how he'll do that yeah exactly uh, so that was uh, wow the film i made in out of grad school and so yeah, didn't win the Emmy until I was already in L.A., or the student Emmy, until I was in L.A. already. But okay. having made that film and like having a sense that it was pretty good yeah. or better than I thought it was going to be, I thought I was going to come to L.A. and every, the red carpet would be rolled out. Right. Everyone's like, whoa, he's here. Yeah, Chris Brandon, standard deviation <laughs> director. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Wow. Yeah, nobody rips off Errol Morris better than you. <laughs> like, yeah, come here, work for us. Right. And uh, so I moved out to L.A. after that and okay. um, had two or I had one offer or I had like a soft offer to be an intern for uh, Davis Guggenheim's production company. Uh, one of those production companies, Electric mm-hmm. Kenny, he did he did uh, Inconvenient Truth. Oh, uh, oh yeah. On... I just saw that name the other day. He... I was looking at his IMDb randomly. Oh, and I don't know why. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he also did Waiting for Superman, which was about okay. like charter schools. Right. Um, and he at the time they were working on a documentary that was just like with three guitarists that was like hmm. The Edge from uh, U2, um, Jack White and okay. somebody else. Yeah. And I was like, OK, rock music and documentary and uh, a gig in L.A. like, yeah,
1: let, let yeah. sign me up for that. So you moved because of that uh, offer? No. uh, Or just like that's where the industry is. Let's go to L.A. Yeah, it was there. Uh, That was
0: one of the reasons. And and they kept saying everybody, and this is a thing for students, I guess, you'll hear constantly like, oh, well, when you get here, let us know. When you get here, let us know. Like you don't want to move until the thing is set up because it's expensive to live somewhere else. It's expensive and inconvenient to move. Yeah. But they use that as a natural like weed out process. Uh, like if you're not willing to go there, then they go, all right, well, you're not actually that interested. So, um, I show up there and go, Hey, I'm here. Let's, let's make it happen. And same thing. They kept kicking the can down the road. I met with them in person. That interview Mm -hmm. went well. We'll let you know. It's just really a matter of when we need somebody. It's not this week, but it might be next. Um, and they eventually, so I had to find something else. I'm there. I got to make it happen. So. I applied to Cheesecake Factory. I applied to the pizza shop down the road. Right. Um, I applied to be a bartender at a bowling alley. Like, literally any freaking job right. that I could walk to, like, that's what I was applying right. to. And um, it didn't get callbacks on any of those. Oh, no, no. <laughs> uh, the pizza shop eventually, like, six months later, called me out of the right. blue. But, yeah, and so also I was looking at different production companies. Right. There was one um, that seemed like I could be a good fit for. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in post or in other aspects of production, yeah, I didn't even know I wanted to be an editor at the point. At that point, really, okay, yeah. I thought maybe producing because hmm. uh, the grad program I went to it was kind of soup to nuts, and there's no mm. real specialization. And so, okay, I didn't come out an editor or anything. I had a really good sense. I think uh, I really refined a good sense of story and like right. the macro level uh, yeah. kind of filmmaking, mm-hmm. uh, but wasn't. Like I wasn't ready to like be an editor or know that I wanted to be one at that point. What was your main role on your grad thesis? So I co-director. So basically uh, you work in pairs and Mm. the two of you make it happen. So we did everything. So, yeah. Okay. Um, Gotcha. We did the research together. I basically did a lot of the tech stuff. I operated the camera. He Mm -hmm. asked the questions, my partner, David. Um, Okay. And it was the two of us that did it
1: all, sound, production, post. Yeah, okay yeah. yeah gotcha so what was it that you finally got a callback for out in la
0: yeah it was this company and i got the callback because uh i was tired of applying online and tired right. and, and and people were saying at the time maybe they don't say it today i don't know um but uh they were saying oh don't call them don't visit them nobody wants to be bothered mm. just submit your application and cross your fingers hmm. and uh i got to a point after like a week or two. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, I, right. I, I'm going to be going home with my tail between my legs. So right. I got I to make something happen. So all those companies, I have this Excel document of like every place that I had applied to. Mm-hmm. And like when I applied, who the contact person was, all this stuff, Yeah, as much uh, cyber stalking as I could do, <laughs> I was doing it right. and found this one company, uh, showed up resume in hand and just mm-hmm. like popped my head in the door. I was like, I'm Chris Brandon. And I just graduated from grad school and I'm really excited to make a film with you all. And I think you're doing great things. And uh, yeah, I don't know. And it was just like four cubicles and all these heads just like <laughs> pop out like what the heck just happened to right. And they're like, yeah, uh, just leave your resume on the table, I guess. I'm like, okay, well, cool. Thanks. I re- I re- again, I'm really enthusiastic. I'm ready. I'm ready. What I don't know, I can learn. And <laughs> I love fast-paced environments. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I haven't had any coffee today. Promised.
1: Uh, you should see me when I'm all coffee. <laughs> I'm floating. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and uh, yeah, I'm walking back to the car, and they call me up and they say, "Hey, we, uh, this is so and so from this company. Do you uh, can you come back tomorrow?" And I'm thinking, I'm right outside the door. I like literally just dropped oh, that like, thing. Wow. Off. Okay. Like I haven't even gotten to the car yet. <laughs> And uh, again, one of these things are going to make you jump through the hoops. And right. so I was like, yeah, sure. I'll drive back to Culver City. And sure. So I did. it. came back the next day. Uh, the first question they asked me, or they, she looks at the resume and she goes, you know, you're applying for an associate producer position. And this isn't the resume of an associate producer. And I just sat there. I was right. like, "Ah, oh, well. Again like well what you know I've, yeah. I I have been able to take a film from start to finish right. and while I don't have the connections here in Los Angeles and vendors and things like that I can pick up those things pretty quickly and let me know what I got to do to get to that point right. point. and she says well uh, this isn't posted yet but we're looking for an office PA if okay. you if you're willing to do that then after like a year maybe then you can be an AP and then a year after that maybe you can be a producer and I'm like okay y- yeah sure I'm I'm, right. an, I'm interested in that gig And she says, okay, great. Well, you'll have to meet the owner. Come back Saturday. I'm like, okay, sure. Like, yeah, we do these uh, mixers. Every month we do these mixers where we bring different documentary filmmakers, different Mm. do-gooders in the area and try to connect funders with filmmakers and whatever, just kind of like hang out and talk shop. Yeah. The owner will be there. Come by. It'll be fun. Like, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. This is great networking for me. Like, oh, if it doesn't work out here, they're going to connect me with other people. Oh, right. This is wonderful. So I show up on Saturday and uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for so-and-so. And she goes, oh, oh, right, Chris, right? You're you're the, you're the possible PA? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm just looking to talk to so-and-so. Like, yeah, well, she's talking to somebody right now. Do you know how to make a margarita? And I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> no, but if you have mixer and tequila and whatever, right. like I can make, she's like, yeah, yeah, just go back in the kitchen, cut up some limes for us. Start oh, serving man. some margaritas. And next thing you know, my entire day, I was there just serving drinks. Wow. Picking up dishes, busing tables. Oh, my god! Cutting lemons uh, or limes. That's rough. Yeah. That's really rough. And uh, at the end of it, I got the job. Uh, I was only there six weeks, I think. I hated that place. Mm. <laughs> and um, and I was working. And I found another thing. Overnights, so I was an assistant editor on this coming-of-age teen comedy called Costa Rican Summer. <laughs> Right and known uh, for its cinema prowess. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> yes. It's in the the AFI top one hundred. I'm <laughs> yeah, sure exactly. Um, and so yeah. So I worked as an overnight assistant editor. I worked at the as the office PA during the day. Did that at night. Wow. And did that for a month or so because
1: uh, wow. I got that shortly after the office PA gig. It wasn't paying. It was just really experience. Can and, you explain to those who may may not know like as an overnight assistant editor, what you're doing?
0: Sure, yeah, so um, it was filmed on the Red One, which at the time was a big deal. <laughs> right. And uh, a lot of my job entailed syncing uh, picture with uh, sounds, so syncing dailies, right? Um, logging and organizing things into bins for mm-hmm. the editor who'd come in, doing exports. Uh, a lot of times it was just like kicking out DVDs for producers and uh, director mm-hmm. to watch. Although the director did most of his reviews in bay, and so it was mostly for the hmm. producers and then just kind of like shuttling drives across Los Angeles. Uh, right. We had this graphics person that was doing a, supposed to do a title sequence for us. <laughs> and so I would, at the end of my shift, take a hard drive with footage, run it over to his place in downtown Los Angeles and meet him in some like weird back alley. <laughs> All He'd right. be smoking under a I street lamp. I got the footage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, we would totally like just do a deal. I'd have a <laughs> l- lacy hard drive and a paper <laughs> bag and right. he would like... You got it, yeah. yeah and that was it. synced.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's all synced. So, you did you enjoy that? I loved it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that was the moment. Like it
0: was the, right. the campiest movie ever. uh okay. I think it's got like a two point three rating on IMDb. Right. It's in. It's an. It's just outside of the bottom one hundred. I think on <laughs> IMDb. So if you're listening, go downvote Costa Rican Summer. Right. And <laughs> let's get that thing in the bottom 100. exactly. It's yeah.
1: Feather in my cap. <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh, so that
1: was the I want to be an editor moment
0: yeah that was the aha moment Uh, and when I moved to LA I didn't know JKL I I didn't know any keyboard shortcuts Mm. I had cut but it was all just kind of I had that one DVD from 2003 with from Final Cut Pro 3 that was like this is how you use the software but aside from that it was just feeling it out and so okay uh, I could structure things but didn't know anything technically and so that was the first time where I was like asked to be more technical and Mm. um Kind of, they showed me the ropes,
1: the editor, uh, super nice. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Did you have, were you editing on Final Cut in that, in that job? Yeah. That one
0: was Final Cut. Uh, it might have been seven or maybe it was like six or
1: something. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And did you also have any mentors in LA that were trying to teach you the story aspects of editing? Or was it just your boss is saying, this is bad, do it differently?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was kind of that, right? So in
1: terms of mentors, there's a weird mentor story. It has oh, really? nothing to okay. do with post production. Okay, well,
0: kind of does. <laughs> so, anyway, so we win this student Emmy, and we go to this like reception thing that, mm-hmm. that night. And is it in LA? Yep. Yeah. Okay. And um, and I was working this one job. I was I got paid five hundred bucks to make a, a video for the state of California and like physical fitness and sports for children. And oh, it was wow. Like, Literally, like, the documentary that I was, like, cursing as a kid, like, right. Uh, we were making those now, like, Man. full circle. But I'm at this uh after-party dinner thing yeah. for the student uh, Emmys, mm-hmm. and this woman comes up to me, and she's like, hi, uh, my name is Marsha Posner-Williams, mm-hmm. and uh, what's your name? It's like, oh, I'm Chris Brand. And she's like, are you one of the finalists here? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah, am. Yeah, 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 I live in L.A., actually. She's like, right. oh, wonderful, like... Well, I was a co-producer on The Golden Girls, and I think that's one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. Like, <laughs> right. oh my gosh, wow, okay, cool. Let's talk. So yeah. we talked all night. People love hearing about how great the things that they worked on are, of course. And yeah. so it's that the was, easiest thing. Was... That's
1: why like getting people on this podcast is so easy because yeah, for... it's like, do you want to talk about yourself? And people are like, hell yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, you don't need a
0: chase lounge for for this space. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just. Exactly, all
1: positive. Yeah, exactly.
0: So uh, she's like, "Well, let me know. Uh, Here's my Mm -hmm. card. Let's be in touch because I know people at post houses or whatever." Okay. And so I was in touch with her. We're swapping emails and phone calls every once in a while. And she's like, "Yeah, why don't you come by? We'll catch up. Let's see how things are going. Uh, Swing by my house. I'm in Sherman Oaks or whatever." Right. Um, Yeah, uh, Friday should be good. Yeah, my husband's out of town, so just come by Friday.
1: I mean, okay, sure. I guess, you know, this is network. Right. This is this is what people do. Out right. here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I was like, sure. So I drive my Saturn SL1 over to <laughs> her place and park it by the curb and walk up to this nice house. It kind of looks like the Golden Girls house. Funny, or not. so go to the door and Knock on the door. She opens the door. And I have no idea. Like, is she going to be in a negligee? Is she right. is like, is this turning into a yeah. Mrs. Robinson kind of situation?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to say. And You're the she, graduate after all. Yeah, <laughs> and so, exactly. Yeah. And so I open or she opens the door.
0: I come inside. Totally normal. Yeah. And she's like, okay, first thing everybody wants to see. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. I was like okay, oh that's sh- terrifying. Yeah, and so I'm closing my eyes in this stranger's house, <laughs> and she's like, "There's always something somebody wants to see whenever they come into my house." I'm like, okay, <laughs> not and, a
1: good sentence. And she to starts you.
0: leading me by the hand through the house, and she's oh my going, gosh, what am I doing here? This is exactly what my parents warned me against. Like, <laughs> did I learn nothing? Like,
1: <laughs> right? I,
0: here we go, and. She's like, okay, open your eyes. And I'm in front of her fireplace, and there are her Emmys for the golden girls on oh, the mantle. <laughs> uh, I
1: was like, oh, right,
0: right. The Emmys. Bro, right, right. The Emmys. The, yeah, that's what you want to see. Sure, of course. Of course. Yeah, because we were co-producers. Of course, right. Right. So she sent me up a couple of meetings, none of them materialized into anything. Okay. But uh that was like a mentor, a possible mentor that gotcha didn't fully pan out. But uh what a bizarre way
1: to show off your Emmys.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and and again, I don't know in retrospect because I'm a little thick when it comes to that stuff. Like yeah. if there were just signals left and right, right, where, like these are opportunities where she's opening the door and right. whatever. But I know when I sat down in the living room, I did not sit on the couch. I'm like, I'm sitting in the recliner or yes. not even the recliner, like the
1: yeah. the small. I'll just stand. I'll just yeah, stand <laughs> right.
0: in the corner and
1: right. Yeah. So when did you start getting jobs that were uh, picking up more traction in the film world?
0: Let's see. Uh, It took about four or five months before I got like a solid like thing that was paying consistently. Right. Um, They were online videos for HGTV, uh, Mm -hmm. filmed on location in Napa Valley. And so I got to go to Napa, which is cool. Hmm. And I was assistant editing. And basically it was this dinner kind of show where they brought chefs in from all over. They'd cook a meal. They'd pair it with a nice bottle of wine from Napa. Mm -hmm. And um, they had to post them. The dinner would be... 7 p.m. to whatever right and then we had to post those things like 3 p.m. the next day oh wow so i would be at the dinner uh getting cards from the dp okay uh, offloading them doing all these editing work working overnight from you know 7 until 7 a.m right and then the editor she would come in and cut the piece together okay and over the course of that it was like a week and a half um after a few days I got into the kind of a groove I was working ahead and kept doing more and more and more and Mm -hmm. eventually I asked her and the producer if they would mind if I cut like I did assistant Hmm. editing and I just kept going and cut the piece and uh they were generous enough to let me do it it turned out pretty well and so that was like a first like thing right and uh and then you know whatever it meant a 36 hour day for me because I did assistant editing then I did editing I took a hour nap and then i was back to (laughs) assistant editing again for the next day wow um but you know you do what you do right um
1: so is that a through line in the editing world because when i interviewed professor newton one of his earliest jobs was quick turnaround for featurettes at the new york times like again overnight editing type mm -hmm. stuff like is that just what you do yeah yeah, I guess so.
0: It's just... And what's nice about it from the editor's perspective or assistant editor's perspective is because it's quick turnaround times, like you're getting, you're bulking out your reel pretty quickly and bulking oh, out your credits true. pretty quickly as that's opposed a good point. to, I worked on this one thing and it lasted 18 months or whatever. Right. Um, and it's still like one thing. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, and especially then and continuing today, but then especially, like that was like, the real emergence of when people realized, oh, we can just put our own content on the internet through their HGTV site or whatever, right? and that's enough. Like we don't, hmm. not everything has to be a broadcast thing. Okay,
1: We can make smaller, shorter snippets for web. Okay, gotcha. So from whenever you graduated with your grad thesis film until now, you've seen the film industry change, you know, in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. What's been the most surprising change about the industry?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think globalization wouldn't necessarily be a surprising change okay. just in terms of things being outsourced. Um, oh, gotcha. I guess it also kind of makes sense that turnaround times and
1: production schedules and everything just keep getting more and more condensed and right. schedules are
0: crunched even more.
1: So um, like when you saw those companies realizing that they can post stuff online, did you see that as like, a oh, that's the ticket? Online streaming and that type of stuff is like where it's gonna go I guess yeah.
0: uh, I mean uh it, it it I guess it made me realize that this was a job um right where like I know when I came out of like undergrad say and a lot of this is just because I didn't do a whole lot of research but I figured like oh so where are you gonna work like I don't know Fox Disney right uh Universal and it's like I don't know what's the one of the big searchlights in the meet Fox yeah okay <laughs> yeah, I'll work there and you don't realize that oh there's Yeah. Smaller production companies doing all of this work. Yeah. Um, Okay. I think, I guess, one of the biggest changes that I wouldn't have seen coming, perhaps, um, is the emphasis on, like, data-based everything. Hmm. Um, Like, when I was working at an ad agency... um, while in, in L.A., uh, we were a production company that had, like, started doing ad agency type work. Okay. Because um, we wanted more creative control. There's money. money's right. The money's better, stuff yeah. like that. Um, we were basically, like, we had zero idea about, like, search engine optimization. Oh, and, right. And uh, tracking analytics and how do you do your online media buys and right. these types of things. And so, literally, like, I'm doing side projects like goofy edits <laughs> posted into YouTube and throwing 100 bucks at it right? and saying what search terms are getting results and like oh. logging all that because at the time that was the best way I could think hmm. of doing it. Uh, whereas it's like
1: manual SEO. Yeah. Wow.
0: And so like, and now like, you know, it's a science. There are people right. who are specialize in this yeah. stuff and there's tons and even more data being collected now than hmm. then. And so, hmm. um and I don't know if it's true up, but like the whole like House of Cards thing with Netflix, right? Do you know this? I do not know. We can we can maybe uh, check it afterwards and then delete it if um, Brandon okay. is <laughs> spreading lies. But uh, <laughs> like the what I heard about the whole reason why House of Cards was one of the first Netflix like original productions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a BBC series, I guess beforehand. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they had through their analytics realized that people liked political intrigue. Kevin Spacey and something else. And oh, okay. so they're like, okay, well, what what checks those boxes? Right. Like, oh, there's this show, you know, House of Cards. Let's sign on Kevin Spacey and let's oh, do whatever wow. we need to do. And we're gonna
1: make a thing that speaks to those analytics. Right. I'll research that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so when did you um come back to well, I mean, I obviously you came back to SCAD four years ago, mm-hmm. but what about like why did you want to go back into teaching? Other than your, you know, love of teaching from from many moons ago.
0: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, And it's it's always kind of like the elephant in the room. Probably <laughs> you have a film professor and
1: like, well, if you love film and you're <laughs> good at it, what are you doing here? It's nice to hear a professor acknowledge that. But yeah. I, I mean, you know, everyone has their reasons why. And I've learned interviewing professors that it's like, well, it's not like anyone's given up. Everyone's like still working. But I guess to ask that question. <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh I mean, and that's one thing I like about SCAD in particular is right. that the people here are into it, you know. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's here just to collect a check or whatever. Like everybody's yeah, got some exactly. projects going on or right. whatever, which is cool. Um but yeah, I guess for me personally, um I mean from the beginning I always knew I wanted to get into teaching and higher right. education. Um and I was earning good money when I right. uh, when I left L.A. I was working consistently, uh, but basically my career in L.A., I was there six years, a little over maybe. Okay. And I'd go for, once I got started, it took me about a year to get like consistent work for, from a couple different companies. Okay. Um, and I was an editor after... Six months, you know, like a lot of mm-hmm. people, you know, you get they spend seven years right. as an assistant or whatever. And so I guess like the type of content I was cutting, the online based content, right. um, those types of things, uh, while the grandeur or whatever uh, of them may not be uh, as high as some other things, mm-hmm. it allowed me to jump in the editor's chair and start cutting right away and right. just like learn through doing. Um, right and cutting my own stuff or other mm-hmm. people's stuff that I'm the editor on. Yeah. Um but basically I'd go for a year and a half just full throttle, work like crazy, burn out, quit, <laughs> uh and then get called back a yeah. month later, work like crazy for a year and a half, um and burn out, quit. Yeah. And I did that cycle a few times huh. and um yeah, it was just kind of a transitional moment um mm-hmm. where I liked what I was doing, but I kind of saw the writing on the wall, especially working at these smaller production companies where Mm -hmm. I wanted to get to a point where as I was being promoted or gaining experience or moving up the ladder, I wanted to either, because for the, basically the way it was operating is Mm -hmm. you'd get paid more, but you were working more because you had more responsibility. Right. And that kind of made sense to me, but I looked at my bosses and I looked at the owners of these companies yeah. and they're never at home. There's zero right. work-life balance and that worked for them. That's what exactly hmm. what they wanted. Um, and, but for me, it, it wasn't what I wanted. Right. And I realized that I was getting to a point. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm earning good money, but I don't want to put the time in that's required of me. And so right. I either want to work the same and get paid more <laughs> or I want to get paid the same and work less. I don't want to get paid more and work more. Like I'm done working more. Right. Uh, Even uh, though I hadn't been doing it nearly as long as a lot of the people teaching here, for example, or whatever. Um, But for me, it just, uh, I kind of knew that uh, I didn't want to shift gears. I didn't want to try to get in the narrative world or anything like that. I wanted to keep trying to work. I was because I was working in independent documentaries at companies I was at. Okay. Um, I wanted to try to do more of my own type of work. Hmm. And teaching, uh, I was hoping, would allow that kind of a balance where I can continue working on documentary projects during breaks, um, but still dedicate
1: myself to
0: something that I loved uh, professionally through teaching.
1: Okay. Well, I would assume that it has worked out because you are actively working on a doc called Finding Tyler. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So, so far, so good, I guess. Yeah. So, you you spoke earlier about how that uh, story that you made your grad thesis on was like the inciting incident for this feature film, even though like you obviously didn't know it at the time. Um, can you tell the story of one like you know a, a short log line about what Finding Tyler is about, but also like how you got attached to the project? Sure. So
0: um, the film is like a psychological profile of a fugitive who uh, is wanted as an eco-terrorist, flees to the island of Corsica in the Mediterranean, a self-proclaimed island of secrets. Uh, It's like like old mafia ties and Mm. things like that. And uh, lives there for five years, totally uh, on the lam, Mm. using a different name, all sorts of stuff. Uh, evades the fbi um loves the new life that he's created for himself or can at least appreciate the novelty of it Hmm. but um over time his mood deteriorates as he realizes that this the novelty of his life is coming at the expense of everything that was familiar his family his friends his home and so the film tries to kind of explore from like a psychological perspective the mindset of a fugitive and Mm -hmm. uh living at the extremes uh Oftentimes comes at the expense of what's familiar.
1: Mm, Okay. So, you, I remember I asked you this question in class, but you were a part of the actual filming and the interviewing process. So, did you like hear about this story in the news and then think that's a story? Let's pursue it. And you put together a team, or did someone else approach you with it?
0: Yeah. So, um, because it was so. It's kind of like an unofficial sequel follow-up to the yeah. grad film, and the way I found that was a friend just emailed me and said, hey, remember Billy Cottrell, and <laughs> sent me a Wikipedia link to this guy I went to middle school and high school with, but didn't mm-hmm. talk to a whole lot, mm-hmm. um, and that's how I learned about Billy's story, and then gotcha. that, that, Tyler was one of the other three people involved, hmm. and... Uh, When we were doing the research and doing the filming on Standard Deviation, the film about Billy Cottrell, knew that Tyler had fled the country, but nobody knew where he had gone. Nobody knew anything. Right. And um, it wasn't until, and and we couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, for years, I was, you know, so that was over 10 years ago that I made that film. Uh, And for basically seven, eight years, Mm -hmm. uh, I was just trying to find as much as I could. And um Through online research, I found a blog that his mom had formed. Tyler's mother formed this blog. Uh, Like a one-way kind of conversation in the event that he happened to like look himself up on the Internet. He would find this blog and it was kind of like, you know, talking about what the family was up to, let him know that he was missed and that he was loved. Mm. Um, They'd send like these weird cryptic codes to him where like if they could maybe speak in some sort of like secret language that Mm. they can communicate. Um, And so I came across this stuff and it was just really just like touching, but heart wrenching as well. Um, And so I knew that there was something to it. I knew there was a deep emotional thread in that story, um, but just didn't know a whole lot about Tyler himself Mm. and spent seven years off and on like Mm. looking for stuff. And then when he passed away uh, in 2010, um, I actually found out because an FBI agent who we had tried to interview who refused because the case was still active or whatever, um, emailed and said, Hey, one, I want a copy of the film that you made on Billy. Could I get that? And two, you probably heard, but they found Tyler Johnson's body in an avalanche in Corsica. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I already knew this guy was uh, interesting from the people we had met from the other film. And now we know that we already knew he was a fugitive, didn't Mm -hmm. know where he had gone. We know that there's this interesting angle or a human element of the family back here in the right. States. and now we're he's in Corsica and mm-hmm. perishes in an avalanche. Like there's some interesting pieces to yeah. uh, a greater puzzle here.
1: I know we've talked in class about your communication with the family and like navigating that, especially since he has passed mm. and they don't know his mindset when he left and everything like that. So when did you contact them? And like those first interviews that you had done, was your game plan like, let's get permission from the family, like their blessing from the family first and then proceed? Yeah. I mean, the stars kind of aligned um, mm-hmm. in terms of like how
0: everything went down in terms of basically I had queued up seven years of research yeah. and was like ready to go. I would written treatments and put together, you know, lookbooks and mm. all sorts of proposals and things, yeah. but had never actually like – tried to do anything more because mm. I, I I knew the the family's contact information, but I felt awkward about right. reaching out, one, because of what happened with Tyler, and yeah. two, because their only association with me is a documentary about Billy Cottrell, who in their mind was the cause of oh. what led to, you know, their son uh, fleeing yeah. and then uh, passing away in an avalanche. Right. And so I was like, okay, well, this is, I'm not somebody that they're Doesn't gonna, look good. No, yeah. it doesn't look good at right all. yeah. And so I waited, but again, through making that f- first film, Standard Deviation, every six months or so, we would just get like a random email from somebody who happened to know him or happened to come across a story was inter- mm. interested in the environmental aspect or interested in uh, psychological aspects, whatever mm. it might be. And one of them was somebody who grew up with Tyler mm. and- um, so I shared the film with him and it took him like three years to watch it. You know, I kept writing every six months, like, hey, right. have you had a chance? Yeah. And again, I wanted to press, you know, it's right. sensitive. Um, but after three years, he finally did. And then so I decided to say like, hey, do you think that his family would be interested in talking to me mm. about this? Um, you know, I, I, from everything I hear, Tyler was a really charismatic, you know, warm mm. personality.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, And so I think there's, um, i just like to learn more. Right. And, um, didn't hear anything. Uh, a year later, um, we decide, my wife and I, uh, that we're going to go to Corsica and just like start filming something because, wow. uh, she was scheduled to teach in or taught in Lacoste, the SCAD Lacoste campus.
1: Oh, she's also a SCAD professor. Yep. So oh, she, okay. yeah, she, she that. teaches That's in awesome. animation. Yeah.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. And, um... So she was teaching in Lacoste. She was already heading there. I was going to come along any, for like a little bit before the term started. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, it's a ferry right away. Let's just go to Corsica <sighs> and let's just start filming yeah. stuff. And at the time it was going to be like a cine poem. It was just going to be because mm-hmm. we had found through the mom's blog, like different journal entries that he mm-hmm. had written about his time as a fugitive. And we thought... All right, we'll get some, like, reeds blowing in the wind, slow motion of ocean waves crashing, and then we'll do some on-text thing or, like, voiceover Mm -hmm. and just kind of try to create this, like, sketch of a fugitive in Corsica. Mm -hmm. And once I buy the ticket uh, that same day or, like, literally the next day, I get an email from the mom saying, hi, we got your information from so-and-so, a family friend. Uh, We're interested in talking to you. Wow. Wow. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah. sure. And and like in that and within that same couple day span, I had talked to a journalist because when we decided we were going, there's this journalist who wrote an article in a Corsican newspaper about Tyler. Hmm. Um, and so I tracked that journalist down, talked to him, and he's like, oh, well, if you want, you should talk to this person, that person, that person, that person. And within two days, it had gone from let's go bring our dslr yeah. and just like make something you know touching but mm-hmm. kind of lo-fi to we've got a week and a half of interviews booked wow. and, and uh, a family who's interested in like trying yeah. to contribute to the story um, wow yeah
1: so it, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, it happened That's quick. like the best situation. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean,
0: again, it, it really all just kind of came together. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know if that was like the universe like testing right. me to go like, okay, well, when you're serious about it, mm-hmm. we'll, uh, we'll allow it or right. something. Or if Tyler is, you know, yeah. uh, interested in seeing this film come to be or mm-hmm. something, I don't know. Um, But it was still the first phone call with the family, you know, they were rightfully cautious, you know. Right. Um, And so... One of the questions they asked me, uh, I was hoping it was just gonna be I had to prove myself a lot more yeah. than I expected to. I thought, well, if they want to talk to me, then we're we're in good shape here. Like exactly. that's, that's a positive. I've already proved myself. Yeah. Right. Um, and instead it was uh like I had my like in case of emergency break glass <laughs> kind of like sales pitch for them. <laughs> and it's like, hopefully I don't have to go there. We can just kind of talk yeah, and yeah, it'll yeah. be fine. And within like the first 30 seconds, I'm like, Oh geez!
1: Mm. And I'm right. like,
0: the thing is, this is what I want to do, and I start getting like over the top, and yeah. um, but you know, positive and enthusiastic, but really had to like play it hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the mom at one point in that conversation said, "Okay, well, you just told us that you're going to Corsica, you're going to go filming there with a bunch of people. What if we told you that we didn't want you to do that? Mm. What would that's you... a
1: very good question. Yeah, and, and uh, a hard to answer question. Yeah.
0: Wow. So uh, I sat there for a second and I thought, well, or I said, uh, I would go anyways. I'm going anyways. Right. Uh, and uh, I would just trust that what I came back with would be something you'd be happy with. And, mm. um, you know, sure, you don't have to give your blessing right now, but uh, I'm, I'm confident that the, the film I want to create, the story I want to tell is something you will want to be behind, mm. uh, want to contribute to. And so I would still go and I would do my thing and, um, come back and then show you what I've got. And she says, okay, well let's do that then. And i kind of painted
1: myself into a corner where I was like, right. Huh. You're right. like, I would prove myself. And she's like, cool. Prove yourself. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, wow. <laughs> you're, oh, I have to, I have to actually prove myself. Exactly. I thought I could
0: just say that I'm going to prove myself. Right. And, and that in
1: itself would be you
0: proving yourself. Yeah. But no, no, they made me walk the walk. And so, yeah. uh, yeah. We yeah. went, we filmed, uh, sun up to sundown for a week and a half, bounced around the island of Corsica and, uh, cut something together. Uh, wow. And they liked that. And we just kept kind of going from there.
1: Wow. So when you're doing these interviews and you're asking, you know, a mother about her deceased son or other family members about their deceased family member, as an outsider, even though you had like, obviously you did a lot of research into him, but- As an outsider, how do you, like, just manage those questions? And, of like, you have to ask the hard questions because you're making a documentary that's asking hard questions, and it's all about, like, figuring the situation out. What was your thought process for what do I say and what do I not say?
0: Yeah. um, The tricky thing, um, because... you know, I don't direct docs every year. I hope to from now on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, really I hadn't interviewed somebody seriously uh, in years. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was an editor. I'd seen it done on right. the other side, but yeah. um, hadn't sat in the chair myself. Right. Um And when we did the Corsica interviews, for the most part, I had my clipboard of questions and I was kind of, or a laptop or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of going from that, you know, I'd, stray from it uh, as I needed to Um, but when we went to Michigan uh, there's only three of us making this film basically myself Mm. uh, my wife Diana and uh, my grad school thesis partner David Randag who's a DP in New York Um, talk about full circle yeah right (laughs) Uh, and we always joked because I went to LA he went to New York like oh maybe one day we'll work together and like form a production office in Topeka Kansas or something in the (laughs) middle yeah exactly but but yeah so we, we worked together on this and dave is like super honest like we're a good like yin yang where i'm a softy and he's just like this is the way it is um and he's like you can't read from notes chris like you're gonna Mm. have to have a conversation with these people like you can't if you're off a paper like they're not gonna want to share anything and he's totally right right. and
1: i knew it yeah but it's like the notes are like a like a shield a hundred percent yeah as i sit with notes and no no
0: (laughs) (laughs) but uh but it's true and and it's always easy to think in the moments like, well, that rule doesn't apply to me. It doesn't course, apply to yeah. this, you know, right. like, come on. That's for other people. Like for me, it's different. Right. And to hear that it wasn't different. Um, right. So I, I had my, the, I knew what I needed or wanted to hear or hoped to hear or thought we would talk about or however you want to phrase that. Um, and, I mean, the first time I'd ever met them was the day before, uh, you know, oh, and we just yeah. kind of chatted and, right. and then next thing, you yeah. know, 8 AM the next morning we're yeah. rolling. And so, wow. uh, it was about half an hour of, and we only interviewed them for two hours each, something like that. But wow. the first 20, 30 minutes was just like warm up type. Yeah. Like let's talk about Michigan. Let's talk about family get togethers. Let's talk gotcha. about like yeah. easier things. Right. And then, um, Again, this is, I'm not one of those people who likes pushing those buttons or like mm-hmm. forcing people to share things that are uncomfortable. And so maybe that works in my favor because people can sense that. I don't know. Right. Um, but um, yeah, then when I knew mentally, it's like, all right, I got to pivot this Here we thing. go. Yeah. 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 Um, try to like get it's into like the it.
1: elephant in the room, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Of course.
0: They they know why I'm there. They know why right. I'm there. Yeah. And, they, and so it was challenging. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, it's a sensitive matter with the, uh, right. So it's a, you're dealing with a sensitive subject matter. Um, the, the most sensitive, uh, yeah. and, and something that I can't fortunately personally relate to. And so, right. uh, you know, you, you try to put yourself in your shoes and yeah. shoes and all that stuff. Um, but from like a nuts and bolts, I have a job to do. Right. Uh, standpoint, uh, there's like a two hour interview and like the first 20 to 30 minutes, um, not necessarily structured that way, but just the way it kind of went uh, was just kind of chit-chatty, mm-hmm. um, lighter-hearted type right. questions. Yeah. Uh, tell me okay. about Michigan. Tell me about family get-togethers. Mm-hmm. You know? And then you could talk about Tyler in like a positive way. Like, yeah. What oh, was he like as a kid? Yeah, exactly. Right. What did he like to do here? What was the importance of Michigan? Right. And you can start dipping your toe in the water right. of like these... And you try to introduce, like, the deeper themes of, like, at the time I go into this interview, I'm like, okay, uh, he missed Michigan. Michigan was his home. What is it about Michigan? Can I get stories Mm. about Michigan that then maybe he references in his journals that I could kind of start
1: tying together? So in the interview process, you're trying to think of, like, okay, in post, here's how we're going to intermingle all this stuff?
0: Yeah, kind of. Okay, um, interesting. With the interview with the family, we were in a unique position because... That didn't happen until a year after we had gone oh, wow. to Corsica the first time. Wow, uh, we had we were scheduled to do an interview with them that first summer, the same summer we went to Corsica. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for one reason or another, it didn't end up happening, and right. our schedules didn't align for like another year. Mm, okay, and so I had already let me make sure my timeline's right. right. <laughs> yeah, basically the summer leading up to that. Is that right? Yeah, the summer leading. This is last, not this. Past summer, but the summer mm. before, because this past summer we filmed with them two summers ago. We went to Corsica. I spent that summer basically cutting the film and mm. trying to just leave gaps there for where oh, I thought the family could okay. go. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from pre interviews and from the different things that you know, yeah. the, the blog and things like that, right. I kind of had an idea of okay. what those story points were. Um, and so I could kind of create a rough sh- structure of the film. Gotcha. So when we came to Michigan, I had a pretty precise understanding of what type of things we were going to talk about hmm. and that were okay. the most relevant. Gosh. Gotcha. So, so that was really beneficial, uh, I guess, in retrospect, even yeah. though at the time I was bummed to have
1: to wait a year to do those interviews. Right. Uh, I think you want to get it while it's fresh, kind uh, of. Sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, when you're working on stuff like this you're always scared that it's never going to get finished. right? Uh, I've cut so many documentaries uh that are just living on somebody's hard mm. drive in the valley yeah. and <laughs> they're like good yeah. films. Exactly. And it's just yeah. like, just, just finish it up. Just, you know, right. it's either like uh, an art artist attachment to something yep. and they don't want to let it go out into the world yeah. or whatever it might be, or like life gets in the way. Yeah. Um, as it always does. And <laughs> exactly. And so yeah. like, that was one thing with this is like, if I got to wait a year, like what's going to happen in a year? You know, tomorrow's promise to no one, like we need to get this thing done. And so at the time when they couldn't do the interviews that first summer, I freaked, I was scared. I was like, all right, well let's make a version without them at all. Like what can we do without them? Um, If like as a worst case scenario. Right. Right. And uh, so cut a version of the film like that. And I was like, okay, maybe this isn't about a fugitive who goes to Corsica And it's from his perspective. Maybe instead, if we can't get his perspective fully, Mm -hmm. maybe then
1: the story becomes about how the island of Corsica welcomed Mm -hmm. some fugitive. Because you had those interviews. Exactly. Okay. So in those interviews, like once you finally got the interviews with the family in Michigan, did you discover things or like get answers to questions that you went and sat down in your timeline you were like, I was totally wrong and I have to restructure this whole thing.
0: A little bit, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there were some things that came up that uh, I was just off base on or I'd like confused one person for another person or things like that. And uh, so, yeah, I had to kind of like restructure some
1: things um, and uh, rethink a couple other things. Right, okay. So whenever you're cutting a documentary that is about a family and such an intimate subject and just hard heartfelt so it's just hard to talk about Mm. you know how do you remain objective especially with seven years of prior research and were you objective you know sending those emails and stuff like that
0: uh yeah i think one thing that's changed with me um over the years or whatever Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) since 1980 (laughs) exactly uh is when i first came out of even like grad school like mm-hmm. i was artist first human second and it's like it's all about the story right and um now uh, it's the other way around now right. i'm a human first artist second um and even though like artist is like i would that's not a term for me to <laughs> z- z- whatever but right. um the
1: filmmaker second i guess right. um and uh do you think a lot of that comes with having a family i yes yeah or just maturing in general i suppose um
0: yeah. or i think maybe some of that came from working in an industry and just seeing like the like what that actually looks like like uh, if you are a filmmaker first you gotta be a dick and you right. gotta like not be a human and right. so i was like yeah maybe i don't want to roll that way like, right let's see if, like i have a problem like uh, i get it, i think i get it from my mom uh, my dad doesn't like he's from illinois he's just like <laughs> you know, uh, a hilarious guy, uh, <laughs> and a goofball. Right. Um, but not sharing, like my mom can't share any or can't keep a secret, you know, like, oh, okay. she's totally transparent for better or for worse. Right. And I feel like I'm a little bit the same way or like, <laughs> I'm just not smart enough to be able to like, right. I could never be on big brother or something where you're <laughs> having like form alliances and then double cr- like, right. That's just too much work. Right. <laughs> uh, so I, th- think one thing that you know kind of worked out with just how everything happened here is like i knew that they would i knew the angle i was wanted to tell would be something that they wanted as well and so we i knew we were all going in the same direction right um but it did take lots of revising of emails and bouncing things off of other people and like diana was great for that whenever i'd say like okay this is what i want to say and she's like make that one third as long. <laughs> you right. need to start editing your emails. I'm like, oh, okay, right. sure. Yeah. And like, keep it positive, keep it brief. And right. like, just keep moving forward as okay. opposed to trying to like over explain everything. Right. Um, I forget. There's been a few uh, just obstacles. And mm-hmm. uh, even though I'm an optimistic person, uh, mm-hmm. because I'm, I want this film so badly and I can right. see what it can be. Yeah. Um, And especially as we got closer and closer, any, like, potential setback uh, would, like, totally throw me for a tailspin. Mm. And uh, so I would be in doomsday mode. And then, right. you know, Diana or Dave would be like, chill out, mm. like, just take a breath. Right. Uh, I'm, sure it's, I'm sure it's fine. Right? Just spark up a conversation, and it would always be totally fine. Of course. Um,
1: so the film's all about, uh, I mean, it's very, it's a perfect name, Finding Tyler, mm-hmm. both about how, like, he was physically gone, and mm. no one knew where he physically mm. was, but also about, like, understanding his psyche and stuff like that, has your opinion on, like, has your understanding of him radically changed? Well, you know, when I, all I knew in the beginning
0: was that he was, like, um, a bright personality, just right. in terms of, like, an intellect, sure, but he was a charismatic fellow, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think, you know, uh, as we worked on the film, we learned that it was... Uh, you know, like anybody, a lot more comp- complex than that. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and so uh, in terms of like, did I find Tyler? <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, yeah. And can can he ever be found? Sure. You know, to put your pretentious filmmaker hat on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but it's a genuine question.
0: So, and this is one thing uh, that we, I think a question, I don't know if it's raised in the film fully, but mm-hmm. I try to raise it, is in theory, this Diary. So he kept a diary when he was in Corsica. When, and after right. he passed away, the, one of his only possessions that was left behind was his diary. Oh, wow. And so it's got six years of his inner thoughts wow. as a fugitive. Gosh. Um, and so we pepper those throughout the film, yeah. and the family's been generous in providing some of those for us to, to use. Yeah. Um, but in theory, this is the only place where he can be honest, because on the outside, mm. he is Mark sauson He is a pseudonym. He is a different person. Mm. Um, but in his journal, that's a place he can retreat into his, like, inner thoughts and, like, right. express himself. But even there, I think he is so hyper—or was so hyper-aware mm. of everything that I think he— or like was just for like a coping mechanism. He couldn't even be honest with himself because wow. there'd be journal entries where he'd start asking himself tough questions yeah, and then quickly change the subject to something super goofy and lighthearted. Wow. And it's a tough thing where it's like, I I want to like press more on that. Right. And I want to like see how far that goes. Right. Um. But um, I think we, I think
1: we touch on it, but I don't, I don't know if we could, we could ever fully right. figure it out. When we were recording this, Film Fest happened, I think, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. two weekends ago, and um, we went to the below-the-line panel in replacement for your class, mm-hmm. which was a fantastic panel, and we discussed the panel in class, and one of the panelists spoke about um, throughout their career, they were always focusing on the big picture, mm. even as they're doing these small jobs to pay the bills, maybe things they're like not as passionate about. So... Going through your career in LA, and more specifically, working on this film, what is the big picture that you were and are focused on?
0: Well, I guess the big picture uh, is if I think of myself as a documentary filmmaker, I have to make documentary films, Uh, and (laughs) that was just something I wasn't doing. Shocking. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it's easy to like fall into that. Totally. Like, oh, this is what I do. Right. Is it? Right. well, I did it once and exactly. then I did it a few other times, but yeah. uh this has been a, a bit of an outlier and it's a mm-hmm. funny thing because like I always knew that this film was going to get made and mm-hmm. like I I'm sure the next like project that will just be nagging at the back of my brain will be there <laughs> right. but because it this has been the one like I've had other yeah. tangential like small ideas and mm-hmm. this that or the other always right. uh small in scope this was always the one I was like this I feel like I've been afforded an opportunity and a, mm-hmm. an entry point to this story that nobody else could really get, right? Uh, and I have a, a, the opportunity to tell the story in the way that I think is the best way to tell it.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I'm curious if it's going to happen again. Right?
0: I don't. I don't know. I don't like right. sense that deep in my bones where like, oh, th- this is going to lead to the next thing, to the mm-hmm. next thing, to the next thing. And that's even something I'm. I had a discussion with uh, Diana about recently. Is like okay, you know, not putting the cart before the horse, but when right. this thing starts screening in festivals, and if people like the film, which, again, these are uh, uh, haven't happened yet, the question will be, as it always comes up from anybody at any kind of uh, threshold moment right. in life, what's next? What's next? And yeah. um, I have to have an answer for that. And <laughs> right. I can't say, like, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go to the beach for a while <laughs> and just, like, hang out. And they're like, yeah. That's not inspiring, right. you know? and so. Right. Uh, and if it's like from a, a filmmaking business standpoint, like I'm not doing myself of a very good service by mm-hmm. saying that, you know, I have to have like, oh, if you like that, then just wait. Like mm-hmm. you can have this type of story told, but, uh, my filmmaking sensibility for mm-hmm. this type of story, or that film, or haven't you always wondered about this? Mm-hmm. I want to explore that in this film entitled blah, blah, blah. Right? Like I don't have any like pitches or, I mean, mm-hmm. that's not entirely true, but right.
1: I feel like this film has swept me away and just kind of carried me along for the ride especially for because you were doing it for so long it's like you had the you had your thing for like years and years yeah exactly and so now the thing is done effectively yeah exactly (laughs) yeah Yeah. and so it'll be uh i'm curious to see yeah you know if uh
0: if whatever it screens in its final festival or whatever that final thing is and it's like all right cool yeah or if it'll be like Oh man! If they like that, just wait. What I've got up my sleeve now, <laughs> right? Right. So we'll see.
1: Yeah. yeah. So you've sent it off to um, a bunch of festivals, the big ones like Sundance and Tribeca, mm-hmm. and then you know, regional and smaller ones. Um, what's the What's the dream for the film? Like, do you hope for it to get distribution and go to theaters and stuff like that? Or
0: uh, sure, yeah, yeah. just um, anything and everything. I, I guess. guess yeah, yeah, it's it's tough, and this is. Uh, Yeah, the dream for the film, Um, and this is an area that I need to get better at because this is a a real part of filmmaking, Mm -hmm. Uh, the the business side of things, the distribution side of things, Um, and again, being ready for that plan of action. So, like, it's nice that we can have an informal conversation about Mm -hmm. it right now, but uh, if... Somebody from X distribution company says, <laughs> right. what's my dream for the film? And I go, <laughs> that's a good question.
1: Yeah. Do you have any ideas? Right. And they're going to be like, next. Uh, yeah, so exactly. I need to have something right. Fine. You can just send him this podcast and like the timestamp of my question. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it'll just play it on your phone. <laughs> it's like, funny you asked. Exactly. Uh, I have a recording of my answer. <laughs> exactly. And so um, I will say, I think it's good to like, as a student, I can feel that, professors like have it all figured out Mm -hmm. so it's like comforting to know that it's ever evolving
0: ever evolving is a really generous way of putting it yeah (laughs) i think uh the learning never (laughs) stops for sure right um and you know and again because this is a micro crew you know a handful of people um like we're all wearing a lot of different hats and so um Uh, this is an area where I'm a little bit out of my comfort zone, I guess, but uh, excited to, and I've been learning about it and excited to, and this is another great benefit about teaching at a place Mm -hmm. like SCAD is we've got professors who have done just this for years. And so um, of course, I've been talking to them and getting their input and uh, will continue to. Hmm. Um, But I guess uh, the dream would be It's funny, I've worked on so many films uh, and some of them went straight to just like broadcast and Hmm. that's cool, but for me as an editor or for me like looking to like flesh out a CV or a resume, like – um, I, you know, from what I hear, the film festival thing gets old, you know, you do it mm-hmm. once or twice and you're kind of over it. Right. Um, maybe that's not true for everybody, but for a few people, friends of mine, mm-hmm. that, that has been the case. Yeah. Uh, I'm not there yet, so right. uh, I'm excited to like get yeah. it out there and yeah. I love traveling. And so mm-hmm. if I could have a reason to go support the film and various festivals, right. uh, yeah, I would love that opportunity. And then from there, I guess, um, I don't see it being a theatrical film, but yeah, some okay. sort of like digital release and distribution or some sort of like, um, I think that would
1: probably be the most likely scenario. Right. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, keep us posted because I'd sure. love to see it. Um, I want to ask uh, a few more questions. Um, The majority of the audience that listens to this, um, I assume, are filmmakers, since this is a filmmaking podcast, and uh, probably a lot of them are students. What is your advice for people who are interested in editing and wanting to have a career in editing? And I want to split off this advice into a two-pronged question. So first off, advice for people with no editing experience, and they're maybe in their small town where they feel like they're the only one who is interested in film at all. Also, those who are currently in film school and maybe are graduating soon and maybe are named West Gibbons or something like that. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Well, uh, the easy
0: answer to both of those prongs uh, is edit. Right. Uh, What's nice is... You don't, what I love about post-production is you don't need production. Like, that's my favorite thing <laughs> about it. Yeah, that's
1: a really good point. Is like, yeah.
0: I hate being on set. I hate wrapping cable. I hate sitting around <laughs> and waiting. I hate all of that stuff. I hate like, oh, well, let's just eat in the meantime. It's like, no, I want to work, you know? Right. Uh And so like, you can just edit. Hmm. And um, especially these days, you know, uh, the amount of pre-visualization that goes right. into commercials or narratives or anything, uh, that's all done by post-production folks. And mm-hmm. so um, it's a really cool time to learn editing and explore your area of interest. Yeah. Because one, you can just pull stuff off of YouTube right. and cut it together or film stuff on your mobile device or mm-hmm. whatever um, and or record yourself playing a video game or whatever. Mm-hmm. And two, the amount of like uh, niche content that's being created, uh, is... Infinite. Infinite, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, just in terms of, like, anecdotes from, like, you know, I worked, I ended up working in video game trailers when I was in Los Angeles, Mm. and... I didn't know that was a job, you know, and like part of my job was directing video gameplay, you know, Wow. this is what character we need and this is the camera angle we need it to be from. And sometimes I'd physically have the controller in hand (laughs) and like we're getting these shots and cutting them in. Uh, This is a job I didn't know existed, you know, and, um, you know, I wasn't a huge gamer, but I was when I was younger. And so like it was fun seeing that. Interest kind of mm-hmm. play out in a professional career, right? And so uh, and I see that happen over and over and mm-hmm. over again, whether it's um People who are into skateboarding or extreme sports and like we're just filming stuff with GoPros and like cutting together
1: We just heard the story today about um one of the students in our class exactly he got a job because of Instagram and his like reel was Skateboarding videos with his friends. Yeah, and, and now he's got connections. Yeah. <laughs> and It's awesome. So it, and and it's tough because I feel like there's more of those stories right. happening. Uh,
0: so, like, if you are a narrative aspire to be a narrative right. editor, say, uh, there's not as many of those yeah. flash in the pan. Like the connections, mm. the distance between you and that yeah. is much much greater than you and a music video editor right. or a BTS editor or um, a trailer editor. Mm-hmm. Even uh, the distance is much much shorter. Uh, there's another student who. Um, she got in, her, her job out of school at a trailer house mm-hmm. and her like audition was, they had her cut a trailer, like right. rip stuff from YouTube and cut a trailer. Right. And so she did and they liked it and yeah. she's a talented editor and got the job and that's what she's doing, you
1: know? Yeah.
0: Um, and in terms of the narrative world, like, uh, for th- that one, I mean, it's that one, it's, it's old school filmmaking, you know? And so yeah. it's like, it's... Back to apprenticeships, and it's back to right. like paying dues and s- sitting in a chair with a notepad, and yeah. then sitting at a computer and doing work, right. and then sitting at the big computer and doing work. <laughs> and uh, so it's that kind of a thing. Right. Um, but really, um, I think it's a really cool time because, and I think this is probably always existed, yeah. but your personal interests mm-hmm. and your professional interests don't have to be separate. Um, hmm. Sometimes it's better if they are. Right. But um, more often than not, the the jobs I see get landed uh, mm. are ones where they are in their
1: wheelhouse, you know, right. like,
0: oh, I've been doing uh, extreme sports videos and mm. there's this equipment company in Colorado that needs right. extreme sports videos. And so boom, I'm their person. and mm-hmm. I'm doing camera operation, I'm doing editing, I'm doing whatever. There's right. um, just a lot of that happening.
1: Yeah. Um, I have had the pleasure and fantastic experience of taking your editing aesthetics class this quarter. But sadly, not everyone can take your classes. Like not every scat student can and of course, not everybody listening in general can. Um, we've covered a lot of topics both in this episode and of course, over the 10 weeks of your class. If you could teach everyone listening to this one thing... What would you teach them?
0: I mean, it kind of goes back to the, the last question. Like right. uh do what you want to do. Yeah. Um, like challenge yourself. It's really easy to shoot for a grade and to shoot for a rubric and to mm. do those types of things, uh, especially when you're in school. And that's what I did through undergrad. Like right. that's and th- I I say this as somebody who who had a 3.8 GPA in mm. undergrad and came out of it realizing I didn't know what the heck I was doing. My priorities were just not, uh, I wasn't dedicated as, right. as dedicated as I should have been. Um, understanding that the motivation has to come from within because in my experience in life and mm-hmm. the industry and whatever, like that's the one thing people are looking for. Like, are you willing to do okay. what it takes to get a thing done? Right. Like, like, are you willing to come to LA? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, let us know when you're here because yeah. nine out of 10 people don't go there. Yeah. It always excites me. And I'm sure across the board, every professor, when mm. they see a student kind of throw the rubric out the window and fulfill the obligations of a rec- assignment or whatever. Right. But make it their own. Right. Um, and understand that
1: even if that thing isn't perfect,
0: to understand yeah. this is a stepping stone to somewhere right. else, you
1: know? And I think SCAD fosters that very well. That's one of the things that I love is that it's, of course, there has to be a syllabus. <laughs> there sure, has to true. be requirements, but mm-hmm. we do get to have our own personal spin on things. Yeah,
0: and I mean, and again, like they'll wherever you go, they're going to teach you mm-hmm. how to operate that thing. And you can always ask that question. And there's always, you know, there's ways that you can ask, phrase those questions where if you think you know you right. can kind of dance around it by asking, like, "Oh, so when you when you log your dailies, do you use this or do you do that?" And like, "Oh, actually, we do this third thing." But by, yeah. by at least you prevent presenting an option of like right. understanding how it could be done. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, "All right, well, that person doesn't know nothing. They mm-hmm. just don't know how we do it." Right. Uh, and so they'll teach you all those things, but um,
1: you got to want to be there. Right. You know? Right. Exactly. Um, I want to ask. One more question, and uh, it was submitted by your colleague, Professor Newton. You submitted a question for him for his episode. I'm, I'm so excited for this. I reached out to I'm him nervous, for a question for you. And uh, I really, really love this question because you are recently uh, a father. <laughs> uh, you had your first son. Congrats again. Thank you. Um, he said, what is a film you're excited to show your son when he's old enough? Well, I think that question was a lot better than the one I had for him. <laughs>
0: I think. It would need to be something weird. <laughs> um, and it would need to be something offbeat um, Right This is maybe not the correct answer But okay. an answer I'll throw out Maybe I'll come to the real answer I'll talk my right, way right, to right, the okay. real answer I think Steve Martin's The Jerk <laughs> Might be one I don't know if you've seen The Jerk I've heard of it Yes yeah, So uh Not
1: what I expected Yeah I'll say My,
0: my dad raised me on Steve Martin comedy records Right uh, And so this, there's weird post-production techniques, yeah. there's weird production techniques, uh, but the, just the, I guess the sensibility of the humor mm-hmm. or something.
1: Um, that's probably the first time the jerk has been mentioned on a podcast. All right. <laughs> <laughs> like any podcast ever. I love that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's,
0: it, it was, it's one of those films that when I was first dating my now wife, mm-hmm. uh, she hadn't seen it. Uh, her family was raised on like horror films and my, okay. I was raised on comedy. Right. And so I had never seen any of the films that she grew up mm-hmm. watching and vice yeah. versa. And that was the one where I was like, all right, well, we have to watch this. Right. And if you're going to be my wife, you it, have to it, watch it, exactly. it. It like day three, like, let's just get this out of the way. Right. If you hate this, then we move on with our lives and go our separate <laughs> ways. But uh
1: it was great knowing you, it's but you got to watch the jerk. Yeah. Gotcha, uh, and, and you'll uh, say the same thing to your son if you're going to be my son. <laughs> yeah. You have to watch this movie. It's just it's conditional. I'm sorry, but it's just the way it works. Well, Professor Brandon, this has been so much fun. I very much enjoyed uh, picking your brain about editing and stuff like that. And I um, know you're very busy this week and all weeks, so I appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to me. Yeah, I'm so, flattered to be here. It's been yeah. it has been a lot of fun. So yeah, yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, and hopefully finding Tyler blows up, and you become the Sundance you know, what's what's the word? Uh what's the phrasing for I forget what festival kid or whatever. Sure, sure. Um, whenever it blows up and we can have you back on as a celebrity. Sounds, I, <laughs> I do I will admit since I'm on the
0: record you're just gonna get right. it, I go through acceptance speeches for various things. Absolutely. Every day in my head. <laughs> and uh yeah, I'm always looking
1: for a good one. And so right. like It's completely ridiculous, but um, everyone's done it. Okay, that's good. I do it all the time. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I I love that. Well, (laughs) thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, love to have you back on. Great, thanks.